welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hello, superstars. Welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by the author of the Conspiracy Theorist Handbook, John Kerwin. John has extensive knowledge of conspiracy theory, of lots of biblical lore, common law, as well as his own experience with being demonized, marginalized, dehumanized for the extent of research that he's done and the number of false worldviews he has relinquished. Before we jump into today's podcast episode, I'm reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment, 
And also reminding you to sign up for my newsletter, dannycats.com. It's the best way to ensure that we stay in touch in the face of so much big tech fuckery, censorship, shadow banning, suppression, et cetera, et cetera. Also reminding you that my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, is A, waiting to dazzle you, and B, available in all all the formats. It's available in print, it's available in ebook, and it's available in audiobook narrated by yours truly. So if you haven't nabbed copies for yourself and everyone you know and love, be sure to do that now. Press pause. Jump on over to Amazon or my website, grab those copies, and then you can jump in to my delightful conversation with Mr. John Kerwin. Loving your book, The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide, I'm curious, is this the first book you've written? Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about, I mean, I know some of the personal stuff, but we can, you know, catch the audience up to speed, but how this book came to be. Sure. I mean, it was about uh, seven years ago. I guess I was like a lot of folks just sort of going along with the flow. Um. I think we use the term unconvinced or normie to describe someone that hasn't quite realized they're in the matrix, like, you know, in the Truman show. Yep. And so for me, my entry point was I was a day trader. Then I was married with four children and just doing life. And then, uh, cause I was in the financial markets. I noticed that the federal reserve wasn't federal. And was this your first, like, kind of aha, like, yep. the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back? Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, looking back, it's sort of embarrassing when, you know, you see how obvious these things are. And why is it that it took our whole lives to finally see any number of any of these conspiracy theories? You know, pick one. <clears throat> the moon landing was fake, ISS, 9-11 you know, flat earth, Mandela effect, underground bases, whatever, whatever your soup du jour is. And, uh, you know, most of us aren't biting down on all the same things, but we do have one, you know, universal thing is that when you find out things that are outside the Oberton window and the people that are dear to you do not, it creates conflict. That I've proven is universally the same. Now, for some, it's worse than others. In my case, it ended in divorce after 24 years, which I did not ask for or desire and, and asked not to, but my wife said we're in two different worlds. Now, subsequently, because I'm a content creator, I interact with thousands of people. I've, I've confirmed probably 200 told me they've gotten divorced because they found out these types of things. So it's fairly common. This is super illuminating to me because I've been what they call a conspiracy theorist for more than 20 years. I just consider myself a good journalist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what struck me about your book, and I, 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 I'm loving it. I haven't finished it yet. I love awesome. how well written it is. I love how accessible it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that you've gone so deep down the rabbit hole. I mean, given that, that you clued into this Federal Reserve piece only seven years ago, like you've definitely 
deprogrammed yourself to a really major degree. What struck me about the book is like, I have been ejected from the so-called normie circles so long ago that I have no experience with this type of pushback because I'm not invited to those gatherings. I'm not invited to those conversations. So it was really illuminating to see, like you share about these conversations that you were having with people. That was kind of shocking to me. I'm like, you're still allowed in these groups. You're still entertaining these conversations. That was what struck me as most unique in terms of my own experience. That's interesting. Well, you know, this is a common thought. Well, I don't push these things on people. I, you know, let them feel me out and you have to use wisdom. But when it's your family, you're sort of thrown into the mix with them, your wife and your children. And all what happens is you change dramatically overnight, but they don't. And some of the perspectives are so different that it introduces irreconcilable differences into the relationship. You know, you go from living on a cruise liner, basically, to living on a battleship. And you're on a war footing. You find out that the power structure is not public servants. They're Luciferian blood-drinking pedivores that want you dead. And they're moving towards the Book of Revelation. And you're like, whoa, this is real. And so you have a sense of self-preservation comes in. You no longer have the same priorities and values. But your spouse just thinks you've fallen in with a bad crowd and that you've sort of lost your marbles and they sort of wait you out. I talk about that in chapter six, the three phases of rejection. Yep. And, and, and it, you know, there is no answer if somebody doesn't know and doesn't want to know, because that's the characteristic of the normie, is they don't know what you found out, and they don't want to know, which is, creates a very difficult dynamic. And what do you think it is about, like, the fundamental makeup that makes it so that people will go to such outlandish extents to ignore what seems so obvious to the rest of us. Right. There's a lot of different things that I've uncovered in my research. Uh, One of them is that human beings are very tribal. So the example I use is if you are a a young person and you go to a new town because your family moves and you go to a new school, and this is your first day going into the lunchroom and you don't know anybody. And you scan the room and you see the goth people, you see the nerds, you see the jocks, you see the burnouts, and you see whatever. And you're looking for belonging and you're scanning the room. And then one of the groups, some girl raises her hand like that. Where are you going to go? Right. Bam. You're going to go right to that group because we all have a sense of a need for belonging. So from our very young age, we look, look what I can do. You know, you're always wanting search for significance. And so once you get accepted into that group, you automatically adopt all their views and principles. Okay, so now if somebody comes along and tries to challenge the views of that group, you're not asking them to just change their mind. You're asking them to abandon their tribe, which is volcanic, you know. And so the underlying ask is a big ask when you try to show people, I'll use the moon landing as an archetype of all conspiracies, right? Because basically that means you have to believe that NASA is lying to all of humanity and the governments are all lying and people just think that's preposterous, right? So the pushback is is incredible. And um, But more than that, they basically are being asked to leave their 
tribe and join your posse, which is one that's going to be persecuted. So you're not only asking them to leave their tribe, but join your band of merry men that's going to have rocks thrown at them. And they know that because they're throwing the rocks, <laughs> right? So it's a lot for somebody to to wrestle wrestle their worldview from them. It's not easy. That's a really good point. It reminds me during, I'm in New Mexico, we had some pretty hard lockdowns. Um, and I had a close friend who was on my page, but in the closet. Yeah. And um, I would press him to the wall and be like, well, why don't you come out? And he's like, because I see how you're treated. And I don't yes. want, I don't want to have no friends anymore. <laughs> That's right. But how That's does that work with your wife and your family? Because aren't, you know, you as her husband and your children, her tribe? That's a great question. And what I found is that the worldview trumps anything else in a lot of cases, because there's so much fear associated to having your entire construct of your worldview upended yeah. that people will circle the wagons, even within a family, and they'll you'll become a pariah overnight. I mean, it usually takes a while. It depends on how vocal you are. But you know, for most people, when you find out you live in The Truman Show, I mean, imagine if, if Jim Carrey was in a movie called The Truman Show and he finds out he lives in a TV studio. It was like a reality show and he was the only person that knew, didn't know it. Everybody around him is an actor. Well, towards the middle of the movie, he finds out. Now, imagine if after finding out his fiance is an actress and the whole thing's a TV studio, he just goes, oh, what difference does it make? I still have to go to work, don't I? And then the next day, he just goes and resumes his normal life. That would be unthinkable. Right. Well, that's what they're asking us to do. And we're like, no, I got off the bus. I can't do life like I've been doing it because I don't trust Fauci. I don't believe the, the things that we're being told are real. They're fake. And it matters. See, when they tell you it doesn't matter, what they're really telling you is I don't believe it's true. Because if you found out any number of these things... Flat Earth, Mandela effect, moon landings fake, underground bases, just alien thing, whatever it is. If you tell me it doesn't matter, what you're really telling me is you don't believe that it's fake. You believe the official story. What, what Actually, what I take from that is this conversation extends way outside the boundaries of my comfort zone. So I'm yes. going to double down on my ignorance because... Yes. You know, as you say in the book and in my experience as a journalist is there's no one who thinks I'm an insane, radicalized, you know, conspiracy theorist who's done one one thousandth of the research that I have. So I find the arrogance right. of ignorance to be utterly fascinating like th that. I'm so fascinated by that psychology of like mm -hmm. the inclination to demean people who have done more research. Oh, yes. That is a very common frustration that we experience. Uh, that, you know, like these new discoveries, which are real, we're right and they're wrong, okay? We, we found out the truth, but their reaction is, you're crazy. I was just told that three days ago by my 15-year-old daughter. I had coffee with her, and I don't talk to them about anything. Mm-hmm. But they, she brought up this school shooting that happened, which we know was faked. And I said, oh, that was fake. She freaked out, got up and left. Now, I don't do that if you tell me what you believe. So 
So the the inability to have their beliefs challenged is actually a mind control triggered response. We've been programmed all of our life to run what I call the death to truther algorithm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're programmed through modeling, subliminal programming, you know, all the talking heads on TV. Okay, Jane, our guest today is a conspiracy theorist who traffics in unproven theories, and they're going to tell us, get this, about blah, blah, blah. And so that's what you've been brought up to see, and you subconsciously in- internalize that that uh, sarcastic, snarky response. Yeah. And as soon as somebody challenges something outside the Oberton window, bam, that algorithm gets triggered. And these people who are normally well-adjusted, happy, peaceful people go, and they just jump in your grill and start trying to shame you into silence by invoking conspiracy theory, which is a character assassination term. Yeah. 100%. Incredible. I was struck by um, the kindness and compassion you continue to extend to your wife in the book. And I really just want to honor you in honoring (laughs) that relationship. Um, Were there moments before the relationship um, went bust where she allowed bits and pieces of your intel to sink in or was there was was there never any opening to what you were discovering that's a great question very insightful and yes in the beginning the normie will hear you out a little bit but their arms are folded internally right they're very constricted in their beliefs and their willingness to like you know it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled and a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So if you don't really love the truth, this is the analogy I use. If I'm home and the police come to my door and they say, is this so-and-so live here? Yes, that's my son. <clears throat> well, here we're here to arrest him for murder. And I say, well, you have to must have the wrong house. So they document it's my son. And they say, well, we have evidence. And you know what I would tell them? I would say, I don't care what evidence you have. I know my son. And so the person that you're talking to, you know, you have three ring binders full of pictures and data proof. It's obvious, right? But then they're like, they're like, I don't care what evidence you have. I know that if if what you're saying is true, I would have to be really stupid for the government to be able to convince me the earth is flat or whatever the thing is. And so their pride rises up. Um, all the Cavistock stuff. Then you have demonic spirits, like there's a curse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that says if you engage in willful ignorance, God sends strong delusion on you. So there's all kinds of stuff happening in the spiritual realm. The matrix is a naturalistic construct, but it also is a metaphysical component. And your your expertise, the, the idea of quantum language is a huge part of this because much of what happens in the metaphysical component of the matrix is at the quantum level. And it has to do with like the two slit experiment, right? You're familiar with the two slit experiment, probably. No. Oh, okay. Well, they, this is a peer reviewed study they did where they tested uh, the, the uh, how particles would react. So they shot these particles through a filter that had two slits. Mm-hmm. And then there was a photoelectric cell behind that. 
So you would imagine that only there would only be two uh, areas on the photoelectric cell which were lighting up where the particles would go through. And that's what they got. Well, then they flicked a camera on to observe the experiment. And as soon as they did, the photoelectric cell displayed something more akin to your backdrop. Okay. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you take two pebbles, you drop them in a pool, it creates a wave pattern where there's cancellation. So now all of a sudden, there's like seven lines on the photoelectric cell where the particles were now acting as waves. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing that changed was the camera. So they turned the camera off and it went back to particles. Turn it on, back to waves. And basically what they proved was that the construct that we live and move in is affected by human consciousness. So what that means in relation to our discussion is that your ability to perceive reality is very much shaped by your uh, willingness to embrace truth at any cost. What I've, what I've identified is that integrity is at the core of what determines if you're a truther or not. Mm. Because very often the truth is not good news. It takes you down a dark path, but you're like, I don't care. It's like when you go to the doctor and he has a bad report and he's kind of got that look you know, something bad. And you're like, just give it to me straight, doc. I can take it. That's the truth right there. Yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. I want the truth, man. I don't want to be led around by the nose. I don't want to be a Vic. Yeah, I'm completely with you. So it started with you with the Federal Reserve is a private corporation that's yep. using the word federal like FedEx. And then take me down your rabbit hole. Like what was next? And was there anything that unraveled along the way that um, rubbed up against your own comfort zone where you were like, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't buy that one. Yeah, this is another great question because what I identified was my experience was universally the same for a lot of people as well. So what happened was you're zooming along and it's like God comes up and taps you on the shoulder at some point and he's like, hey, did you notice that that's fake? Because <laughs> why why did it take us so long to like find out about these things? I mean, in your case, you've been at it for a while, but what happened as soon as I realized that they would have to be lying in order for them to propagate this Federal Reserve thing, I said this question to myself. Well, if that's not true, what else isn't true? Well, that is the genesis of becoming a truther. That is the, essentially the moment you trans, are translated to from darkness to light or from being a normie to a truther, because what the core component of a truther is that they question officialdom. Right. And, and the matrix somehow gets us to shut our brains off. It's really incredible how they do it. Right? Uh, well, that's by design. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's very effective, though. They're super, super great at it. Uh, but now, once you start turning over rocks, you find that there's like a conspiracy under almost every rock. And then, you know, that's when the, the divide between the, the people you love who aren't turning over rocks begins to widen and they start looking at you as obsessed, but really it's them that are apathetic. Cause if you're in a burning building, you need to be obsessed. Completely. Right? Completely. Yeah. Are there any conspiracies that you tripped upon that was like 
because of your internal rejection, it took you a minute before you could really avail yourself to the harsh truth? Uh, there have been some that were harder to embrace than others. The transpocalypse was a real gut punch. And this is the... Is transpocalypse the trans-op? Transpocalypse is the idea that most, not some or many, but most of the people that you see in officialdom are the opposite gender. Not by, like, they're not living out their sexuality. This is a program. So you feel like you're in a, in a maze or something. Right. Uh, you know, all of the CEOs that are women are actually men. The government officials, you know, you know, Obama is whatever, and Michelle is a man. And then all of these people in movies, everybody's the opposite. And mm -hmm. you can easily tell when you understand the human anatomy and the, and the and I see it all the time. And I, I'm like, not them. Yeah. Yeah. She's a guy. And yeah. what, what did it for me was uh, Kirsten G Guffalo. I can't remember her name. Guffalo is her last name. She was um, a, she was featured on a German Playboy magazine on the cover, and Wikipedia said she was born a guy, and then she went under sex change. So, and then the magazine's telling you that she's a guy. Mm -hmm. Well, when I looked at her, she was as beautiful as any woman that I've ever seen. So what that tells me, what it did for me is it created a template for me to be able to believe it doesn't matter how beautiful the woman is. If you know what the anatomy tells are, you can, I can tell like that now if somebody's actually a guy and it's most of them, which is very unsettling <laughs> because you think, where am I, man? This is crazy. This is crazy. So that one was hard. Um, Flat Earth was hard because it's so big. Um, and, and what then, did it for you? Like, what was the, you know, the media or the thing that you read that allowed you to to grasp Flat Earth? Because it is a mind bender. Mind bender. Yeah. Well, it's really not actually when you start looking into it because there's no curve. I just listened to a guy yesterday. He's got two PhDs. One is an astrophysicist. He's an astrophysicist. And somebody pushed a, a Eric Dubay video over to him. And he's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, you got to be kidding me. He's like, you know, but he watched 200 proofs. And every time he'd see another proof, he'd be like, well, that's very compelling. So he went off and he started doing his own analysis. And what happens is you can't find curve anywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if the earth is round, why is it flat? Right. Okay. Like lighthouses, the tallest lighthouse is uh, 400 feet tall uh, or 200, yeah, 400 feet tall is the tallest one. And you can see boats can see from 50 miles away. Well, right. there should be 1,600 feet of curvature for any lighthouse. Yep. And I've done, I've done analysis where we know exactly the heights above sea level of the object observed and the observer, the distance exactly. And there's, it's not going around corners. It's not atmospheric. You know, light, the, the entire Chicago uh, skyline does not fly around 1,700 feet of curvature to your eye. That's right. ridiculous, okay? And so the only explanation is it's not round. Mm -hmm. And you can do that anywhere. And so basically all of humanity is just believing what they're told and not what their eyes are telling so interesting. I think that's one of the most frustrating things for me is seeing people um, 
honoring strangers coming through their screens <laughs> over their lived experience and not yep. just their lived experience of like the environment, the curvature of the earth, politicians and big pharma, but like their knowingness and love of me for like years and decades of a at a time yes. and how that can be completely eradicated because of what a talking head tells us to think. Yep. Yep. Reminds me of this one a study they did with guys in white lab coats and the people that were involved were the test cases were also involved. So they were actors, but the one person what didn't know what was going on. And they were being told that they're doing an experiment for behavioral responses with these other people. And the person that didn't know was given a, a little button and they would push the button to give the other person electric shock. You know, this, this is an old study. Yeah. And the guy keeps turning it up, and the person is getting un uncomfortable because they hear the response. <laughs> and then they keep turning up the electricity to where the person's like screaming. But, but the guy in the lab coat keeps assuring them that this is the test and you need to keep going. And most people would be like, bag this, bro. I'm not going to hurt somebody. Get out of my face and leave. But no. Most of the people would stay there because there was an authority figure telling them that it's sanctioned. It was incredible. Yeah, the misunderstanding of authority, I feel like is one of the foundational issues that we're dealing with. I was able to use it to my advantage during lockdown as soon as I realized like, oh, most people are order followers and want to be told what to do. So yep. I can just tell them what to do mm -hmm. and that'll, that'll work. Um, I understand that you are a religious man. Is that correct? Yes, I have a biblical worldview for sure. Okay, great. So I want to get into this with you because my name is Katz, which is short for Katz and Ellen Bogan. Mm -hmm. And as my family lore and my family tree and the whole big thing is like, we are direct descendants of King David coming from Israel and that whole lineage. And then I read a book earlier this year about how that whole story of King David and Solomon was actually stolen from the Egyptians thousands of years earlier. So now when people say, where's your family from? My honest answer is I have no idea. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. claim Israel anymore because I've been given different information. So it just has me sitting in the I don't know. So what about the conspiracies around the Bible? And how does that affect your faith and your allegiance to religion? Yeah, that's a great question as well. And uh, there are um, all different degrees of people who believe the veracity of Scripture. In other words, how accurate it is and how preserved it is. <clears throat> and ultimately, I come down very strongly on the side that what was written is still pretty much what we have today except that now the Mandela effect is actually affecting everything in our reality, including the Bible. So that's a whole nother topic. But generally speaking, I'm a Bible believer. And mm -hmm. the stories in the Bible were sufficient for me to have a life-changing experience with God where I went from, you know, living for myself to living for him overnight because I met him. So a man, Whoa, my response- wait, we cannot skate over that. Yeah. <laughs> you met him. Can you I walk did. us through that? I sure can. So um, 
I will just let me let me make the point I was going to make that a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. Yes. And so what what uh, what it boils down to, whether the Bible is true and all the all the arguments that God shouldn't be you know followed because he allows evil and he's no good. You know, I get it, but I've listened to the narrative of the atheist and there's nothing there for me. So ultimately it comes down to a choice. You, I decide to believe the Bible with all of its blemishes versus my uh, any other uh, possibilities. Okay, so what happened to me was I started smoking when I was four. I thought I was five, but my brother corrected me. And by the time I had gotten to 23 years old, I had already lived three lives. So I was really searching for inner peace, uh, something in life where I could be happy because I grew up with two alcoholic parents. So it was a total minefield. I was a victim of severe sexual abuse by family members. So I had complex childhood trauma. And I come to, I was selling vitamins. I was in Herbalife when they had three products and I was making like five grand a month at 23. So I'm killing it. And I'm on my way to getting a black Porsche with a car phone and being a rock star. That was my goal. And one of my clients Turned out to be Joanne Primamore. She was an evangelist that owns a flower shop. And she starts telling me about Jesus. And I had, you know, been to church a little bit when I was a kid. But she invited me to church. And I'm telling you, I walked into this church and I felt something in the room that was like liquid love almost from the beginning. And then I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a guitar player. And, I'm, you know, at that point, I was very advanced. So I'm pretty like a connoisseur. But they had this little old lady on the piano that was out of tune and this little teenager on the drums. And they're they're singing, lift Jesus higher. These really corny choruses, you know. And I'm standing there just in awe of the, of the atmosphere in the room. It was, un, it was indescribable and tangible. And the more I stood there, I started weeping. And, and it really was the dichotomy between the the musicianship and the experience that convinced me this was supernatural. I wanted what these people had. And so at the end, well, he, he preached a message from Romans 6, and it was totally describing me on the inside. Like we don't read the word, the word reads us. And at the end, he goes, if you die, if you're here and you're not absolutely sure, if you died today that you'd go to heaven, you can come up and receive the gift of eternal life. Well, I knew in my soul that if I died, I wasn't going to anything like heaven because of the way I was living. And so I literally jumped over the pew and I said this prayer where, you know, he just leads me in a prayer to accept Jesus and to repent of my sins. And I said, I didn't feel anything. Well, the next day I went over to my friend's house and they said a curse word and it shocked me. And I had a mouth like a longshoreman. All of a sudden I couldn't curse without being deeply offended and then they passed me the joint and I looked at it and I was the biggest drug dealer in high school at that point. And I looked at the pot and I was like, I don't need that anymore. It just looked dirty to me. And so there was an overnight revolution of my conscience and my worldview. And then every morning I wake up and, and the first thing would come to me would be, Jesus, you're still here. So somehow we, we are ushered into a relationship with this living God that is so tangible and so um, 
it's not like uh, where we're trying to reform ourselves and be a better person. It's nothing like that. It's backwards. He reforms us, and then we follow him because of that. Mm. And that's been my journey 40 years now. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So Have you dove into the secret societies and the Templars and the Merovingians and the idea that Jesus and Mary had kids and... Yeah. What's your take on that? Yeah, I've looked into a lot of the different um, narratives that basically suggest that the biblical narrative is, uh, you know, an implant from a, another parallel narrative. It's not really what we're being told. And when I looked into them, they were unfounded, first mm -hmm. of all. Uh, but secondly, what happened was that this God that I met endorsed his book. Because as what happened, the other thing that happens, it's an empirical observation. You suddenly have an incredible hunger for the word of God. You read the Bible voraciously mm -hmm. because it's the bread of life. It becomes this uh, way to know him more. And, you know, you experience him in the book. And so the book is more than just a collection of stories. It's alive and quick and powerful and it discerns your intent, and then God speaks to you through it. So all of the, uh, um, I call them attack vectors. There, there are a lot of them that I looked into were just, they were just a uh, story. It wasn't true. You know, the proof of it wasn't there. So I basically disagree that those are, those are um, real. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's always something because what we're going through now is happening on so many different levels and layers, you know, so, you know, first when it was all the Ukraine stuff, I was like, mm, I think that's an old Khazarian thing. Like, I'm not really buying this modern day situation. And then, yeah. you know, the ongoing saga of Israel, which has taken, you know, this giant leap. And yeah. it, it just always has me wondering, like, what's really going on? I know the news is lying. I know everything I've been taught in school was a lie. Like, what do you, what do you, do you think that that's just like a false flag, flag to distract us? Do you think there's some real mojo happening in Israel? Like, what is your take on that? and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking for sharing for commenting and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired as you are receiving any value from my podcast as you dig it as you listen regularly consider supporting me on patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging coaching and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, 
You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.